This is the 99 Black Podcast. Welcome to the 99 Black Podcast. My name is Wes, and this is your Monday BS with Wes. If you've been keeping up every Monday, congratulations. You get a gold star. We are in the book of Romans every single Monday until we finish Romans, of course. And our goal on this podcast is to equip Christians to be the black sheep of culture. And I was at an appointment just the other day, and I was talking to someone, and the, uh, our podcast came up, and he said, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt, uh, not far from where I live, kind of a, a country town, and he said, you know, I'm not Christian, but the idea of our podcast, which is to be different from culture, right, to be black sheep of culture when we believe in the Bible, he's like, well, that's not really a problem here in the Bible Belt because Everyone pretty much does that. And this is something for me that kind of drives me crazy because I know that people in America don't, and people in the South where I live, they don't traditionally follow the Bible like you think, right? There is this idea of what Christianity is and that it is a being a good person, or maybe even just going to church, and I just get kind of frustrated because the title of Christian is thrown around so loosely when, in fact, there there's a lot to being a Christian that people actually don't believe in. There's some simple things that they might be okay with, but actually following Christianity is what sets us apart. Following Christianity Actually following, actually believing and, and, and living in a Christian way, that's not consistent with the culture. And I don't care where you live. I don't care if you live in the South where there's a church on every corner. There are tons of dead churches, tons of dead churches. So I, I, the, the statement that, hey, I live in the Bible Belt and, you know, you can't really be a black sheep of culture around here if you're really a Christian because... There are lots of people in your church that are going to go to hell, and that's just the fact of it. And that is a great way to start our Bible study. So welcome to Monday BS with Wes, and we are in the book of Romans, and we are going to be equipped. We're not going to be uh, like so many who have convinced themselves that they are followers of Christ when in actuality they are not. And we're going to judge that by the Word of God, which is what we're going to use every Monday. And I got some uh, some fun things here. It's a little different for today. I usually read out of the NLT, but I wanted to bring in my uh, English Standard Version. Now, I love the ESV, especially for teaching out of um, on the range of accuracy as far as translation goes. ESV is one of the top translations for its accuracy. Yes, it is more accurate than the King James translation. Now, uh, you might disagree with me on that, but that is based off of manuscript records. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll do an episode on that. I might That might be enjoyable for you as much as that is for me. And so we're in the book of Romans, 
And chapter three, we're in the second portion of chapter three. So last week, we talked about this idea of a mirror. First of all, that God was faithful to the Jews in chapter three, verses one through 20. God was faithful to the Jews. And then also talked about the depth of our sin, where I scratched the surface for this idea of total depravity or just depravity in general, but that we are sinners and that the the law that God had given was this mirror for our sin. It makes me think about that Justin Timberlake song. It's like you're my mirror. I'm not going to say <laughs> My mirror's tearing back at me. You know, um, no one copyright this. <laughs> uh, but the mirror is the... It shows us it shows us where we're clean and it shows us where we're dirty. And we don't use the mirror to scrub our face. We just use it as the tool to see kind of our status of how clean we are or how dirty we are. And verse 20 uh, really stood out to me last week. Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God. By doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, just like a mirror. It's like you're my mirror. All right, so today we're in Romans 3, 21 through 31. And every week we're looking for four things. One, we're going to summarize what we read. This is always a great habit for you. If you are having trouble with your Bible studies, just read something, read it out loud. That, read it out loud or read it with audio. Uh, there's great apps that help you do that. And it makes it easier to summarize what you read. Because if you read something and then you are unable to summarize it right afterwards, that says that you did not comprehend what you read. The second thing is we're going to look for something that might stand out, either to you or to me. Now, the thing that stands out to me might not be the same thing that stands out to you. That's why it's so important for you to do this as well in your daily studies. And yes, the assumption is that you're daily studying. Third, what does this passage say about God? And fourth, what does this passage say about humans? And today we're in this book where more controversy, uh, really it's only controversial, I believe, in liberal or progressive type churches, that's where I've seen the pushback on this, some of these ideas. So we're going to be talking about pretty much two ideas in this passage. And the first one is faith. You got to have faith, you know. Um, more songs. I have, a, I have a whole Rolodex in my mind where I can turn just about every sentence into a song. Uh, God gifted me with musical abilities. Uh, I love playing music and writing songs. And I sing songs all the time, and I'm sure it's quite annoying to my family. But my daughter does the same thing, so I'm passing it down to the next generation. So we're talking about faith, and we're also talking about salvation. Now, faith and salvation will be the main topic of this text today, these 10 verses. And within the salvation, we're talking about something called substitutionary uh atonement or penal substitution substitutionary atonement um we'll get into that a little bit more probably for some more detail but see not every church believes in substitutionary atonement and in short 
The idea is that Christ has been the substitute for the judgment of God for sin in our place. So we and our sin, because last week we said that all have sinned, and we're going to talk about that. All have sinned, and no one is good, and that Christ is the substitution for the penalty of our sin. So instead of the death penalty, eternal death, because with the eternal reward comes eternal death. Like, you can't have one without the other. So the eternal death penalty was paid through Christ's substitutionary atonement for our sin. Liberal churches uh, and Eastern Orthodox churches, I believe, too. Um, And I don't know a ton about Eastern Orthodox, but I'm pretty sure that they don't believe this, which doesn't make sense to me because it seems quite clear through Scripture that this is what Scripture is pointing to, that Christ has atoned for our sin. He has been a substitution. And the other thing that I said was going to be faith, and we're going to talk about faith a little bit, and faith will be a theme over the next several uh, videos, next several chapters. Next week, we'll be getting into the faith of Abraham. So faith's going to be a word that we're going to talk about a lot, and it's always good to define terms. What is faith? Well, it depends on who you ask, because if you ask um, somebody that is not a believer, like if you ask an atheist what it meant to have faith, they may define faith as believing in something without evidence. I've heard that before. Faith is not defined as believing in something without evidence, uh, especially in terms, you might hear this, with Christ's resurrection. So Jesus rose from the dead, right? And we have evidence for our belief in that. We don't have blind faith. We have faith in the uh, evidence that has been presented to us. And we have a whole episode about the reasons that we trust in the evidence of the resurrection. Okay, so faith is not, sometimes it's better to define what it's not. Faith is not belief in something without evidence. But in biblical terms, especially, but even if you just go to Webster's Dictionary, uh, faith is defined as this, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Faith is trust. Faith is confidence in a thing or person. And for when we have faith in Christ, we are talking about faith in Jesus, trust in Jesus, confidence in Jesus, and it's going to be contrasted against a Jewish understanding that obedience is the way to um, achieve atonement, essentially, uh, versus faith in Christ's work. So we'll get into that a little bit more. I want to go ahead and get into the scripture and Remember, we're looking for all these fun things as we go along. I've got my ESV Bible out. Hopefully, you've got yours out as well. Here we go. Verse 21 of Romans 3. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. That's interesting. That's an interesting uh, point. So, the law existed. The Jews had the law. We've talked a lot about it. The Jews had the law. But God's righteousness has been manifested apart from that. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So there is, there is something that is 
apart from the law that is the righteousness of God. You know, it's like when you're in children's church and they say, you know, what's the answer? Well, a good go-to answer is always like, Jesus! You know, everybody's like, raise my hand, the answer is Jesus. And that is who we're talking about. The righteousness of God is is described in verse 22 when it says that through faith in Jesus, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, for there is no distinction, okay? So the righteousness of God is bestowed upon those who do what? Believe. Now, clear distinction here. I hope you know this if you've listened to our show at all. We're not talking about Santa Claus. We're not talking about the Easter Bunny. We're not talking about the Tooth Fairy. We're talking about belief as far as trust, as far as faith, and God is real. Okay, we're not talking about the belief in God. The Word says that the devil and the his angels and Satan and the, so Satan and the demons, they believe in God. Even when there was this um, group of Jewish leaders, they said, you know, we're going to do what the apostles have been doing. And they're, and they're going to say to this demon possessed man, I believe is like, Hey, come out of this man in the name of Paul, in the name of Jesus, who Paul uh, presents. I can't remember what verse this is. And the demons say, we, we're familiar with Jesus, and we've heard of Paul, but who are you? <laughs> that, is such an, that is such an interesting thing, because they're trying to claim authority in a name that they don't actually trust in, right? They don't trust in, in Christ. They're just using the name, and that's where many people are. They're using the name of Jesus, but they don't actually possess the faith of Christ and his work. And so, how is someone made righteous? Well, they're made righteous through faith, which, remember, this is trust in someone or something. So, I am made righteous not by the things that I do, but by my faith in who Christ is, God, right? He is God. So my faith that Christ is God and my faith that his death and resurrection, because he is sinless man and truly God, that whole combination makes him worthy as a payment for eternal, for an eternal judgment. Only an eternal perfect God can pay the penalty for an eternal judgment against sin. Uh, so Christ has taken our place, and now we are made righteous not because of something we did, but because of what Christ has done. Verse 23, I love this verse because it really paints who we are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you're, we talked about hypocrisy before. We talked about how you're a hypocrite if, if you don't do what you said you, know, you believe. And it's, it's important to understand that anytime someone says they're not a sinner, they're not following the Bible. I'm sorry, Donald Trump, when you said that you had never sinned, right? You, know, you are denying the, the word of God. And 
anyone who says that they don't sin, well, then they must think that they don't need a savior. And so Donald Trump's not the only one who's ever said something like this. Whoever denies their sin denies their need for a savior. But for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And a better understanding of this verse is that all have sinned and are continuing to sin. All people are continuing to sin. I bet you have sinned recently. I bet I have sinned recently and may not have been even a sin of my mouth or my action. It may have been a sin in my mind and and in my heart. Remember, we said that Jesus talked about lust and uh, being equivalent to adultery because it's a matter of the heart. And now, this is not a Jewish belief. Go listen to Dennis Prager, and he'll talk about all this Jewish stuff all day long and how pornography is not necessarily a bad thing because he ignores the teachings of Jesus because he is not a Christian. And he is going to go to hell unless he changes his opinion on who Christ is and submits his life to him and decides to trust in him. Now, I love a lot of Dennis Prager's stuff, but I love a lot of people who are going to hell. And so that's why I'm trying to push this narrative forward about that the Bible is true and Jesus is who he said he was. Okay, getting off of my point here. For all have sinned, and it's a matter of your heart, and it's not just a matter of law following. And we are justified by his grace as a gift. What was gracious that Jesus did? Well, first of all, it's gracious that he came to earth as a man. He's in heaven. He's God. He does not have to come to earth and walk among this creation. But he chose to. And that was a gift. Then it was a gift that he would be the Penal substitutionary atonement. Now, that's big words. Just meaning penalty. He's the substitution for the penalty that we deserve. And yes, again, I'm aware that some churches don't teach this, but I believe this is a, this is a biblical teaching. All right, so his grace is a gift, and it comes through the redemption that is in Christ. Christ, <laughs> I mean, what else do you get out of that passage? How, how else could you read that passage and be like, you know what? I think it's saying something different other than Jesus is the substitutionary atonement for us. It just says he's a gracious, his, his work is a gracious gift. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation, uh, basically to take the place of, um, by his blood, to be received by faith to show God's righteousness. So you receive it by faith through his grace. So anybody that tells you something otherwise, we are saved by our faith in Christ through God's grace. Saved by faith through grace in Christ. Okay? And uh, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So remember that God is outside of time because God is the creator. Think of something you could build. Let's say, you, let's say you're talented enough to build a house and you build a house. You are not restricted or restrained to live inside that house because you are the creator 
And God has created time, space, and matter. And that is all the things that the entire universe, you and I and everything around us, is comprised of. Time, space, and matter. Therefore, God is not restricted to time. He's not restricted to space. And he's not restricted to matter because God is spirit. We are made of matter. This shirt is made of matter. I am made of matter. And you might think that doesn't matter, but it does. I'm just kidding. All right. So he sees outside of time that we have sin. Man has sinned in the past. We'll talk, we'll talk about Abraham next week. We'll talk about what Abraham's faith looked like. So man has sinned before me. I sin now, and my kids will sin after me. And all sin is covered, past, present, and future, because God, God already knows you're going to sin, right? He, he has paid for it, past, present, and future, because he has the forbearance, and he has passed over your sin because of Christ. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that we might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we are just. We are made just because he is just. So through his work, he has made us righteous. That is the Christian belief. If you don't believe that, you are not a Christian. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're not a Christian because only God could take the place of the punishment that we deserved. And if you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. But this is your day to <laughs> this is your day to look at look at it maybe a way you haven't looked at it before. And I'm not saying this so I can boast. Oh, look at me, I did it. And we're going to get into that. Then what becomes of our boasting? Ah, it's like I read ahead. I'm not saying these things in absolute terms to offend you. I'm saying them so that you might be saved by accepting the fact that Christ has done the work for you and only through understanding who Christ is and trusting in that for your salvation are you saved. It's an effort to save you because I do this because I love you. I love you so much. Um, that's why I'm using my time to spread this news because I believe it's worth sharing. So, then what becomes of our boasting? Uh, is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? Okay, back to the law again. So, remember, the Jews are going... This is a church in Rome, mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And... They're used to habits of obedience. A.W. Tozer has this great quote about uh, legalism and obedience. And a lot of times we consider anytime you're being obedient, it's legalistic. But A.W. Tozer says that the church is at the height of its heresy when it considers obedience to be legalism. But the Jews of the day, had they had a history of taking, the Jewish leaders especially, had a history of taking the law beyond what it was designed to be and enforcing it 
just to be safe. And so they would make the requirements so stringent that it was way beyond what God had commanded. And uh, Scripture says that the Sabbath, for example, the Sabbath was not made uh, for God, but it was made as a gift to man. Now, I know that's not an exact quote, but that the Sabbath is a gift. And what, what had the Jewish leaders done with that day? They had taken the Sabbath, and when someone would pluck a head of wheat to eat, they would say, oh, that's work. They had extended way beyond what the law had required and added their own thing. And that's what a lot of people do today with legalism, where they take what God has put in place and they add so many extra elements to it to say, you had a beer, that's a sin. That what that does is extend beyond drunkenness, right? If So if the sin is drunkenness, let's extend the rule a little bit further and say, now it's a sin to have one beer. Uh, because what that does is, well, I'm just preventing you from breaking the law. And this is a, this is something that was happening with the Jewish leaders where they were extending the law. And everybody's getting lost in what the purpose of the law is. The purpose of the law is to point you to God. And it's not to throw it in the trash, but it's to point you to God. But their, their understanding was that I just, if I follow the laws, that makes me right with God. And Jesus has come to say, following the laws are not what makes you right. Because you will never do it 100%. Only one has done it 100%, and that is Christ. And so only trusting in the work of Christ do you truly fulfill what the law has required. So you can't boast about it because you never followed the law 100%. You never did what you were supposed to do 100%, but guess who did? Yeshua, Jesus Christ, he has done it. And verse 28, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So it is not the law that saves, once again, but it is the faith in the one who has taken your place and fulfilled the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? He is not the God of Gentiles also. It's saying, hey, so is God not the God of Jews and Gentiles? Remember, we got a mixed church, and that's what changed. It was just the Jews, because remember, God's chosen people. He's been working out his plan through the Jews. Now he has grafted in the Gentiles into the church and made them part of the children of Abraham and made them a part of who Christ came to save. So Christ didn't just come to save just the Jew, but now the Gentile, which is a gracious gift to me and you who are not Jews. And yes, he is the God of the Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? So you got some who are circumcised, the Jews, some who are uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Remember, we talked about this was a ceremonial thing, and if you need to know more about it, please go back, because we just talked about this. Uh, This might be the first episode you've seen. Now, you loved it so much that you liked, subscribed, and shared, and now you're going to go back and listen to um, another episode. All right, verse 31. 
And this is where we're going to end. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Okay, so we've been talking about the law and that we're not saved through the law. So we just overthrow it, right? We abolish the law, right? No. By no means. By no means. <laughs> you know, uh, every translation I read of Paul, he asks this question and he's like, of course not. Should we do this? By no means. You know, it's, he's always like asking these rhetorical questions just to point out, no, we don't do that just because of this. We don't get rid of the law because of our faith. Our faith in Christ fulfills the purpose of the law. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And we'll talk more about that, I believe, in in the coming chapter of what upholding the law looks like. But essentially, we uphold the law when we uphold Christ. But we don't be, start sinning. Because how do we know what sin is? We know what sin is because the law was there. So the law was the mirror for our sin. And so now we know, hey, that's a sin. We still don't sin. We still we still stay away from sin. But the salvation doesn't come merely from staying away from the sin. The salvation comes from the cleansing, substitutionary, atonement work of Jesus. And if you don't like that, you're not a Christian. But if you do like that idea, you just might be. If you trust in the work of Christ, that's how you're made right with God. Not by your works, but through the work of Christ. And that's 21 through 31. So, real quick. What did we read? All right, so Christ has come and he has taken the place of sinners uh, who trust in his sacrifice for their salvation. That's the theme. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We're falling short, right? And God has made a way through the sacrifice of Jesus. Only by trusting in that does salvation come, not merely obeying laws. And so what stood out to me was that verse where we all fall short. We all are continuing to fall short. And that stands out to me because it kind of puts us in our rightful place of understanding who we are, but it also helps us understand who God is. And who is God? What does this passage say about God? Well, it says that he's loving, uh, so much so that he would take your place. You ever felt like no one cared about you, like no one loved you? Well, God loved you so much. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever trusts in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're not alone. Someone cares about you. You might feel like no one in this earth cares about what's going on in your life. God cares about you. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows what the sparrows are doing that are sold for just a few coins that it talks about in Matthew. And he knows you and he loves you so much that he took the place of your penalty that you owe and all you have to do to receive the gift of grace is trust in that gift of grace. And lastly, what does it say about us uh, for humanity? Well, I think that humanity feels this need 
to contribute. Uh, but the problem with that is we are leaning on our works for salvation. Anybody that tells you that salvation is achieved by something you did, an action you did, just like the Jews trusted in their circumcision as to, to be set apart. No, it is only through the faith in Christ's works is what saved you. And so we are in desperate need of salvation. And thankfully, God has made the way uh, through faith in his work. Now, we don't throw out the we don't throw out what God has shown us to be sinful and say, well, we can do whatever. We talked about that. Do we keep on sinning? Of course not. Uh, we don't keep on sinning because God has revealed to us with the mirror what sin is. So now, because we have trusted in the work of Christ, now we obey what he has called us to do. And that's the great news for me and you. And that's Romans 3. Uh, 21 through 31, and that has been your Monday BS with Wes. On this beautiful day, this was a great day for you to get back into your word. Has it been a minute since you've read? Have you kind of fallen off track for that New Year's resolution to stay in your word? Well, it's a new day, it's a new month, it's a new week to do that exact thing. And if you enjoyed this podcast, would you subscribe? Would you like it? Comment, share with a friend so we can encourage other people to know Christ and be thankful for the gracious gift that he has given. Thanks so much for watching. I will see you in the next episode.